In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey guys, this is Darcy. This is Kyle. Welcome back to Quality Matters. Thanks for listening again. Um, last week you heard an interview uh, from Kyle with Decra. Decra, yes. At OTC, the yes. Offshore Technology Conference. I'm always afraid I'm going to say the wrong words that go with that acronym. <laughs> so um, that was last week. We did a full 20-minute interview with them, and Correct. that was fun. Um, so for the next two weeks, we're going to do snippets of interviews Yes. A few minutes each or so. Yeah. Yeah. So first up on this episode, we have the Aquanaut. So cool. It was really cool. Not much gets my attention with these things. Um, I probably said a hundred times while we were there, Kyle was like a kid in a candy store everywhere. And it was, a little bit. It was a really big candy store. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it was so fun. So um, we were walking around and I saw this big orange looking thing and I saw Kyle looking at it. So we went over to talk to them. And it was pretty cool. It was. It yeah. was. It, obviously, we've got the interview um, attached to it, but the diversity of technology that we saw at the conference just was mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Yeah. That There was no really one theme. No. Even though it's the Offshore Technology Conference, it wasn't even all about offshore technology. No, a lot of it was strictly land-based. So at first, you'll hear the Aquanaut. Listen yes. close, and you'll see where all these guys came from, Very which is Kyle's favorite part. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, so again, we're here at uh, OTC 2019, and we're looking at uh, what looks to me was described as an underwater transformer. So we're going <laughs> to get some pictures posted, but uh, this is really cool. So oh, tell me yeah. a little bit about, uh, about yourself and what you do. Yeah, my name's Sean Halpin. Uh, I'm the uh, product manager for the underwater transformer. It's called Aquanaut. <laughs> uh, Aquanaut. Yep. I'm an ocean technologist. I've been doing this for 20 years, uh, and uh, I've been all over the place. The last Very company cool. I was with was in the Valley. Uh, we sold it to Boeing, and then I said, let's do the dumbest thing I could do is go back to startups. <laughs> and so I, but the only thing, the reason I came back is... I mean, if, you, if you're a technology person and somebody says, do you want to work with a transformer? And you say no. Right. And you need to just stop and exactly. reevaluate what you want to do in life. But Exactly. So I, I here at Houston Mechatronics, I am responsible for commercializing the technology and getting people to essentially buy it. Uh, no, that's, uh, that's really cool. So I've seen ROVs and I've seen everything before, but you all combined a, a lot yeah. into one tool here. So you know, I've seen where... Uh, folks have problems with logistics of getting to the location of the rig, yep. and then you know the RVs they send down only has one purpose. Yep. Um, and so you get just like so many people involved. Sure. Y'all can do almost all of that with this one, uh, Aquanaut. Are you on payroll? No. Yeah. No. All right. Very cool. <laughs> no, you're totally right. So that's very cool. This is the exact reason we engineered it. You know, the 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 problem that we saw in the industry, it is one that we never really acknowledge right and that is it's just really expensive to do work 
And yeah. it's, it's the ocean. The ocean yeah. is a terrible place to work. Yes. Right? The things that are bitey, you know, and, and <laughs> things that rust you. And it, it is a terrible place. Yeah. yeah. I've always said, you know, the ocean is like an axe murderer. Like in, <laughs> and one day it's just the most beautiful thing. And the next day it's just trying to sink right. you. Um, so, well, and there's been problems with so long for uh, offshore uh, drilling because the uh, the break-even price is just yeah. so high. Exactly. Whereas you know on land it's just so much lower, and so exactly. it's kind of a it's a it's a challenge. And stuff like this would go a long ways towards towards helping the industry. hundred uh, percent correct. Yeah. So, so the reason Aquanaut exists is is because that boat mm-hmm. is the most expensive part of the equation and doing any maintenance or operations at sea. Yeah. And so if you can release your your the the requirement for the vessel then you don't have to pay for that really expensive vessel (laughs) and that's why aquanaut is the transformer one you need to make things look cool right a lot of people in a technical industry just don't do that right right but why not yeah it doesn't cost (laughs) a lot more to make it look super cool right so you know one it looks cool but two that av part Mm -hmm. of it allows it to transit Right. And the technology we put in it that you can't see, you right. know, behind the flashy exterior yeah. is the ability to work over the horizon, sharing minimal amounts of data with an operator mm-hmm. and, and allowing that operator to supervise the control of the vehicle. You know, it never will be fully autonomous. You know, right. Skynet is not here yet. <laughs> uh, I have to say that. And it it's was, good. It might be, you know, coming at us right now. Yeah. Well, it's also good to get on record. Right. You know, to say that. <laughs> You know, that, that you, you totally believe in robots' abilities. Right. And, uh, you know, we never know how this is going to go, right? So it's just good to have something on the Internet that says, you know, like, I'm totally pro-robot. Right, right, right. But, you know, that human beings still have complete control of the operation. True. You know, that's, that's a paramount safety issue in oil and gas is... Right. <laughs> Got a little bit of hammering going on in the background. We, we might edit that out. Maybe it'll be fun to leave in. This guy is, like, my <laughs> least favorite person. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the paramount issue in oil and gas is they will not accept technology unless it is the exact same safety or better. True. And that's one of the challenges we have. And over horizon technology that's really complicated right. is, is ensuring the operator is always in control of the action. Right. And that the same safety or better is implemented. Right. Uh, well, and especially with offshore. I mean, it's just so incredibly isolated and the risks are so much higher when yeah. something goes wrong. Now... I see here you've got like some some gripper tools on it. Yeah. Um, can you change out the tools on this, or does it just go down with with what's attached to it? So this this vehicle, the the end defector, which is the the, the end bit of the arm, uh-huh. uh, that only has that one jaw right now, which is a uh, a four finger jaw. Right. Uh, it grabs tools. So there's a little payload bay that comes out of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and it can grab a tool. Oh, really? And then use that tool on whatever it needs to do. So it can store multiple tools in order to do its job. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a a primate, you know, know, grabbing grabbing a hammer and just banging on something. You know, something I've I've read out before has been a problem is that, you know, the the machines that we've had for so long have been so limited in their their access to tools. And so, you know, you end up having to bring it up and down so many times, and it's just not feasible. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the ultimate, you know, the... There's so many things like you can't just invent a new piece of technology in oil and gas. Like, new is nice, but you also have to add a whole bunch of functionality right. for them to accept it. And, right. And part of that is, you know, you have to have a Swiss Army knife piece of mm-hmm. technology now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's super super useful for everybody. If it you can go down, uh, uh, and I guess to digress, 
you normally find things when you go down in the ocean and look at something for the first time in a year. Right. It's not usually perfect. Right. Because go back, ocean's still an axe murderer. Right. <laughs> so it, it's going to try to harm any piece of equipment there. Yeah. And so the ability to, to a, achieve a dynamic mission mm-hmm. is really important. And, and so that's, you know, obviously why, why we've, uh, we've done yeah. that. That's really cool. So um, one last thing, and we'll, we'll let you get back to, to what you're doing here. But we talked a little bit about safety, about yeah. um, how you ensure that it has to be as safe or safer than a person going down. But what about for, for quality? How do you ensure that it does as good of a job as a person could? Yep. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So the, the QA is super important, and I'm sure as you've seen in this show. Right. And, uh, and as a small company, we are just now undergoing ISO 9001 and okay. going down that process. Oh, we good, do good, not good. have it yet. That's the first thing, right? If we're going to manufacture something, we need yep. you, know, you need nine thousand one or twenty fourteen or whatever that two thousand eight. Right. I'm not going <laughs> to. I am not going to profess to know everything about this. Uh, the so that's one, right? Mm-hmm. Get a quality standard in place. Yep. Uh, second is uh, about fifty percent of the company came from NASA. Oh, wow. And so we take the quality standards from NASA and what yeah. everyone's used to working with. A, lo- a and very we, good culture built in. Exactly. So we take that culture and we've instilled it in the company okay. so that we can take that same uh, focus on developing technology, which is super safe for people and equipment. Right. Uh, and then we're going to backfill that with the actual certification because that process takes uh, quite, yeah. quite some time for a small company. It does. Okay. So actually one more question I say about the NASA thing. So any of the folks that helped develop the Robonauts, were they also involved in developing the Aquanaut? The entire team. That's so awesome. Yeah. So the, the <laughs> Robonaut and Valkyrie, uh, we, we, did a, we did a thing where we kind of took everybody from NASA. <laughs> and uh, that, that great team that developed Robonaut and Valkyrie, uh-huh. the principals are, are uh, behind Aquanaut 100%. Awesome. awesome. Hey, I really appreciate it. This has been great. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with the Aquanaut team. They were pretty fun to talk to. Very friendly guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, Kyle loved that they were all NASA employees. Yep, so cool. And um, he's going to post some pictures in the show notes for you all to see so you can see what it looks like. He was a baby, they said. Yeah. I can't remember if they said four weeks or four months, but he's brand new. Yeah. Brand Very new. Cool. So, and talking about NASA, that's going to be something that on next week's podcast, we actually had an interview with NASA. I don't want to give you're up. spoiling it. Well, I have a little teaser. No, stop. So you guys have to wait till next week to learn more about that. Yes. Up next, though, on this podcast, we have some guys from Dustless Blasting. Yes. Which, again, Kyle thought was very cool. And actually, once we started talking to them, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and it's just like it sounds. Those of you that are familiar with sandblasting know there's a lot of environmental hazards and health and safety hazards, and they've kind of resolved this. The coolest thing they said is in the interview, and I want you to listen close about what they say about what you can and can't do in California. Oh, yeah. Very, very interesting. Oh, Darcy, you want to come over here? 
Oh, you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> um, so uh, we are here with a Quality Matters podcast for the uh, OCT, uh, OTC uh, 2019 uh, conference. And so we're here with uh, Dustless Blasting. And, you know, as we were walking around, I just uh, saw the booth. And having had a little bit of experience with sandblasting operations before, I was really interested to see what you guys uh, do and what you uh, have to say. So tell me a little bit about, uh, about what you do. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Carlos, Carlos Uribe, and and this is a very special show for us because we have all the petroleum companies from all over the world, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, um, all over, yeah. uh, coming to visit us, and they are looking for new technology, and, and of course meeting new people and yep. seeing what's out there. Now, we were talking earlier, um, so what is it that makes what you do so special and so different? Our, our systems are sandblasters, but they're mm -hmm. eco-friendly sandblasters. Okay. It's water and abrasive inside the pot, uh, and there's no dust. But it uses very little water, so it does, there's no water runoff or, or it doesn't pool in the ground. And see, that, that's what was uh, fascinating to me because uh, I've had, a, again, experience with the sandblasting operations before, but if the booth's large enough, then you have to get your air, air permits, and then there's all the dust that you're constantly sweeping and the auger systems and the offloading. It's always just uh, such an absolute mess. Absolutely. Even with uh, the cleanest, uh, cleanest environments. Uh, What's your name again? My name is Josh Cooper. Josh, so tell me a little bit, little bit about what you do here, right? We uh, are focused on particular product has so many different applications and uh, I mean, everything from automobiles, uh, wood, brick, concrete, I mean, pretty much anything that's uh, dirty, dirty painted or rusty can be blasted. So <laughs> we're, we're just trying to get the word out. No, that's a good way to put it. I, like I say, I was really fascinated with what you've got here. Um, you know, I come from the uh, power generation industry and so we're always having to apply these very uh, detailed ceramic coatings. You, you were saying something about earlier that it doesn't affect anything? Well, it's eco-friendly, and, and you know, sandblasting is going to be a thing of the past. Right. And, and our technology has been around for a while already, and we're going to continue to be successful. And we are hitting any application that you put in front of it. Awesome. And then you said something about uh, California with what was California, that you said earlier? California, you can't even wash your own car in your own driveway. That's because crazy. They're thinking of the water runoff is going to contaminate. Right. The town or whatever. California. Y'all are allowed to be in California. We are in California, up and down, being very successful, showing everybody the, the new technology that, technology that we have, and and laughing. <laughs> I love it. I really. love it. No, I, like I said, this this is fast. So definitely, anyone that is involved in with uh, coatings or you know uh, service preparation, th this is uh, definitely someone to check out out here. And and stop by because we speak English and Spanish. A little bit of Portuguese, <laughs> that's, that's a big thing. Italian. <laughs> that's know, a big thing. We'll manage. All right. Anything else y'all got? No, actually, we have different sizes. We've got mobile units. We have individual pots that you can. Uh, do at a plant. If you have an individual that has a, a booth, you can do it, but you can also go mobile. We have six different size mobile trailers. Oh, wow. So, and they're fully contained, so it's a turnkey application. Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. I, I guess one last question I have here is, what about like the, the grit size? How, how, how do you control that? The grit? Yeah. Well, you can use any abrasive that actually is heavier than water. It sinks in water. Oh, so you're not tied to a particular abrasive. No, you can use anything from small sugar sand to 
garnet, which is a very heavy, dense right. but you can use things in between like recycled glass is an excellent one. You can use slag, so whatever's available. It's extremely versatile. And, and there's no worry about the silica dust that's caused no, such no a controversy. That's amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for stopping Thank by. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dustless Blasting. This is an opportunity to win one of our Coffee Matters coffee mugs. If you um, comment on iTunes or send us a message on LinkedIn, and tell us what you can and can't do in California, we'll send you a coffee mug. The first one that we get a message from or a comment from, we'll send you one of those coffee mugs. And if you listen directly from the website, you can comment at qmcast.com as well. Yeah, so there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. So up next and last for this week, we have JMP, which is a what API 6A company and they manufacture wellheads yes okay so this was all greek to me i even heard them say something about a goat head <laughs> <laughs> so there's a picture of a goat head in there <laughs> um but these guys were a lot of fun and super patient with us i think oh we had gosh. to go back about six times to yeah. look for the guy <laughs> that they told us would interview and then when we went he had no idea we were coming and no none at all i i think the other guy was going to get some payback for this <laughs> it would be interesting to hear what happened yeah but these guys if you have any need for wellheads or casing tubes or stuff of that nature um they are super fun guys to work with and you said they were the first ones they were the first ones to get qualified by API to manufacture wellheads in China, and this is in the 60s. So this is going back a long ways to uh, Chinese manufacturing, but not just Chinese manufacturing, but API-qualified Chinese manufacturing, so it's very cool. Yeah, so that means a lot to Kyle, <laughs> <laughs> and we hope you enjoy this interview with them. So tell me a little bit about what, uh, when you say 6A, not everyone... Is that listens in the oil and gas industry, what's that mean to them? Uh, 6A is uh, designated by API for the type of equipment. Okay. Um, 6A, 6A line deals with uh, casing heads, tubing heads, frack valves, and then all the equipment, more to go from your, from your production to your completion on up to your Christmas trees. Okay. And um, so where does this equipment go to? Is this all this? A lot of this going out in, in the boom in West Texas, or where's this headed out to? We concentrate on just about every oil and gas play in the U.S. Okay. Um, but the main concentration is the shell plays. Right. Uh, such as West Texas or um, down in South Texas and Ohio and stuff like that. Uh, just because of the, the amount of business that's going on right now. Okay. And you see you get uh, you have a manufacturing facility in China? Yes, sir. Jane. I know a lot of people kind of raise eyebrows when they hear stuff made in China, but that's a pretty common thing for a lot of oil field equipment. Yeah. The good majority of, of equipment right now is coming in from China. Okay. Um, you know, JMP was established in 1965. Oh, wow. So it's a it's a long running company. Uh, JMP was the first Chinese manufacturer to get their API 6A license for manufacturing. Oh, wow. Um, one of the first. Uh, Chinese manufacturers to 
export product to the U.S. for oil field use. Oh, well, okay. So they've been doing this for a while and kind of leading the way with uh, development through uh, through China. Yes, sir. I've been selling J&P equipment since 2003. Okay, okay. And do you, do you, what about, uh, do you, is this equipment even made in the, the U.S. these days? The, there are places that make or manufacture uh, 6A equipment in the U.S. Right. Um, just, you can never plan ahead. You can never forecast well enough. Right. Um, and so you need those options in the U.S. to make, make product. Uh, right. There are companies that make, just specialize in U.S. made product. Well, what do you all do to ensure the quality of the product? Because um, you're not directly overseeing the manufacturing here. How do you ensure that? Well, they have a quality department. Um, API sets up uh, a quality standard. Okay. Um, and so we run a Q1 program, which is the mm-hmm. highest quality program for API. Right. Uh, in fact, probably the only program for API. Um, so the standards are, are really strict. Yep. Um, API actually sends auditors to these facilities once a year. Mm-hmm. So they audit your process, your procedures, your paperwork, everything. Yep. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's a routine. It's, okay. You know, we all talk about process and procedures. So right. You put the processes in place. Yep. And you follow those processes. You don't deviate. No, and that's uh, that, that's kind of the key to, uh, to to quality management. As far as you know, we do obviously lead consulting and auditing and. Yeah, it's the same thing. So, so your folks overseas are being held to the exact same standard as the folks here in the U.S. Yes. Sir. So you're able to get the benefit of price, maybe better product knowledge over there, um, easier manufacturing, and still still provide it here. Yes. I mean, it's, raw materials is a little cheaper there. Yep. Um, it, it's more probably your manpower. Okay. You know, um, you know, machinists in the U.S. difference in salaries. Right. Overseas. Um, you know, the other thing that we do too is we also have in-house quality. Okay. And engineering. Okay. And so anything that we do, either U.S. manufacturing or overseas manufacturing, we have engineering standards um, and then our quality standards. Okay. So we do inspection overseas coming out of the machine. We also do inspection and quality control okay. in the U.S. when the product gets into the distribution centers. Well, that uh, you know, that sounds sounds great to me. Kind of makes sense, you know. Uh, when we started uh, working with a few different companies that uh, you know work with wellheads and on the oil, and, uh, you know, oil and gas work, especially with with the the boom that's going on now, is I was very surprised to hear how much manufacturing occurred overseas in uh, in China. But you know, the way you're kind of describing it makes sense how how it can be how it can be controlled. Yes, sir. And I mean, you know, quality standards are quality standards. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter what language it's written in. True. As long as you follow your quality standards and the product coming out is going to be, you know, very good. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Drum roll, bees. What are we drum rolling for? I don't know. This is my life, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed those three interviews and uh, we've got three more next week too? I think so. Okay. So probably we have three more next week. If you've never been to OTC, it's worth going. There are literally thousands of exhibitors. It's super fun. And don't forget to get in touch with us and tell us what you can and can't do in California, according to Dustless Blast.